Welcome to the show. Hope everybody had a great, great week. It is Sunday, our fun day. And I know many of y'all watched uh, the debate on Wednesday. Can't say enough about it. Obviously, the air being sucked out of the room with Trump not being there. But, uh, man, it's amazing looking at these polls and seeing that, you know, the guy gets indicted four times and uh, the Republicans continue to elevate him uh, as their number one guy. Uh, but uh, the jury's still out. We'll see how it goes from here. But uh, I think we got a, a little taste of what we're going to see moving forward. I think the next debate will likely have a couple more people on the stage uh, as they try to qualify, including maybe Donald Trump. I'm excited about this show because we've mentioned before that Florida A&M has a new person sitting in the big chair of the athletic department. And that's Tiffany Don Sykes. Uh, she took over Florida A&M Athletic Department uh, as vice president and director of uh, intercollegiate athletics. And she did that, y'all, earlier this year, January 4th. And uh, she's been kind of getting around. If you, Some of y'all have been lucky enough to meet her. I got a chance to meet her out at Martha's Vineyard when she was she was out there raising money, y'all. And uh, <laughs> so that tells you right now she is already on the job and reaching out beyond the walls of Tallahassee and Florida. Uh, before joining Florida A&M, y'all, Sykes served in athletic leadership at Dartmouth College, Grambling State, Norfolk, St. Paul's College in Lawrenceville, Virginia, and Virginia Uni Union University. Uh, Sykes currently serves as the NCAA Olympic Sports Liaison Committee, um, serves on that committee, y'all, and among many, many, many other leadership and athletic associations. And I'm just so happy to have her in the studio talking with us today. So, Madam Vice President, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Yeah, I mean, we saw each other out on the vineyard. And, uh, y'all, if, if you don't go to the vineyard in August, figure out how to get there at some point. FAMU has a great tradition there. I think it's a second or third year that some of the alum have really put this thing on, but looks like it's getting bigger and an opportunity for y'all to fraternize with the alum that go out to Martha's Vineyard and there to spend money and write checks, right? Oh yeah, you know, um, it was a excellent opportunity for me to meet and greet with some alumni, make some pitches for some support for athletics, but uh, Lauren Grove and Hope Jones are two alumni who really take the lead. I know I'm leaving somebody out, so I apologize <laughs> if you're listening, but it was my first time on the Vineyard, um, and I had a friend who went the following week for another HBCU uh, Vineyard event, and they said, they said FAMU's was top notch, so I'm um, looking forward to getting back next year and seeing us take it to the next level. Well, it was great. I was impressed to see you like just already there, right? Already on it. And you're right. Hope Jones and uh, and some of these other folks are very excited about what having a presence in the vineyard can do. And I, I you know, I don't know how much y'all raise, but I think it's working. And uh, I mean, y'all even got me as a ardent Seminole. Uh, <laughs> 
up in there with a FAMU shirt on. So, uh, however, I didn't wear my um, Gaither Society shirt because it's hot. So, okay. So I didn't wear that shirt, but uh, but but yeah, I, I think it's amazing, and uh, and I, I hope that just grows. So shout out to to Hope and the crew, because uh, like you said, there were several folks involved in that and making that happen. Um, so congratulations, man, on the roll. Uh, Florida A&M is a treasure to us, so you coming and and being at the helm is is very very special. But tell everybody because I think folks want to know how do you get to being an athletic director and your career. I talked about everywhere you've been and places you work, but especially as a as a black female in this industry, um, it's not easy, right? I mean, I know some of your colleagues across the country. Uh, it's not easy to get to that point. Talk to us a little bit about your path uh, to, to, to how you ended up here at Florida a Well, you know, it is a long and winding path. <laughs> and, it's you know, it's hard because no two people's path is the same. Right, right. And, you know, along the way, you see some of your peers and people who come into the industry the same time you do elevating at different times. And you kind of wonder, when is my time? And then when it actually becomes your time, you understand why it was your time because you're at the place that you were anointed to be at. That's at right. That time, that's right. You know. Um, so I, I was a college athlete and went to school. I fully thought I was going to graduate and uh, teach adaptive PE. So students with special needs, teach them physical education is what I plan to do. I'm the daughter of two retired high school principals. So I really thought high school education was the place for me. I was a college athlete. Um, the conference commissioner came to see me play. Um kind of took a liking to me. And then the athletic director at the time, Miss Alfreda Golf, whose son was actually just named athletic director at Prairie View A&M University a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. She okay. was the AD at Virginia State at the time. She knew I had um, an interest um, in sports. And she said, you know, come to the gym around six o'clock. So I go to the gym and she says, our basketball announcer is not coming to the game. I need a new announcer. I think you'd be good at you it. You do have a great voice, I, by well, the I way. appreciate I'm that. recognizing that right now. <laughs> Jessica, you hear that, right? <laughs> so she gives me the microphone and I never really paid attention to a basketball game from a PA announcer's perspective. So I kind of get on the mic and I'm doing play by play. And she's like, that's not what this is. And she kind of coaches me through it. And then I start getting invitations to announce basketball classics, first round of the NCAA tournament, et cetera. And it really put me in a space where I was being noticed by other college administrators. So from there, I got my first job at St. Paul's College. I went in an interview and they said, you're the girl who announces the games and wears the nice suits. That's literally <laughs> how I got my first job. Wow, wow. Um, and I transitioned to Virginia Union and sports information. Uh, then I went to Grambling for graduate school and their sports information director left. And I wound up falling into that role. That was my first Division One HBCU wow. and SWAC experience. I had a number of stops along the way that landed me right here at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. Wow, that's a, that 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 deserves a book. Uh, we'll be waiting on it. <laughs> um, so, but but fast forward to to FAMU. Tell us, and you you've had a lot of experiences, but talk to us about what do you think the ingredients are for a successful athletic program. And I say that because, you know, and we'll talk about it later, but the athletic programs are challenged now with the changing environment that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much ever changing. And then you got the balance of of uh, revenue generating sports with uh, with sports that don't generate revenue. And then you've got, you know, Title Nine, and you've got things that you've got to, you know, adhere to. But talk to us a little bit about what the ingredients are for a successful program. Well, I think the two biggest things for me are 
well, let's say three biggest things, recruitment, retention, and resources. And so when I talk about recruiting and retention, I'm talking about student athletes and coaches. Because in order for us to have a successful program, I have to have a continuity of leadership and stable leadership. So I need to have the resources to be able to recruit good leadership and the resources to keep them in a very competitive industry. And the same thing with our student athletes. I need to be able to recruit student athletes who are um, academically and athletically at the profile that we want FAMU to perform. Right. So we want to win championships. I said it's my goal for every student athlete to leave FAMU with a degree and a championship ring. So if we win about four different championships a year over the course of four years, we should be able to do that. But that takes resources. Currently, um, when we line ourselves up against against other SWAC institutions, we're at the bottom when we're talking about coaches salaries, when we're talking about recruiting dollars, um, operating expenses. And we really need if we want our athletes to perform at the top, we need to resource them at the top. Yeah, now I wonder if that if your answer is if it's the same answer, you know, when we start talking about, you know, how you envision guiding, you know, fam, you the teams and achieving excellence on the field. I mean, is that pretty much consistent with what you just said? Well, you know, it is consistent, but we have the saying you can't put the cart before the horse. Sure. Right? So one of the things the NCA has done over the last decade plus is put in APR, which means that. In order to have access to postseason, your teams have to have a certain uh, APR score. So that is a combination of student athletes being eligible at the end of each term and being retained or graduated at each term. So in order for us to protect that path to postseason, that means I need my coaches to recruit a student who's going to be academically successful and can balance the rigorous challenges of being a student at an institution like FAMU and being an athlete at a, at a Division One institution. Talk to us about academics, right? I mean, obviously, obviously we want to win games. We want kids to be safe um, as they play these games. We want them to get a well-rounded college experience, as you know from going to college. Uh, you know, you probably learn more outside the classroom than you do inside the classroom, but there's certainly the foundation, the bones are strong, right, uh, what you grasp inside the classroom. But the academics from your seat, tell us about that. Well, the one thing I try to communicate to my coach, well, I do communicate to my coaches, but what really want to make it clear is that athletics is not in a silo. We are not independent of the institution. So the same goals that the president and the university have identified, the state of Florida have identified, are the same ways we should be recruiting our students. You know, and it makes me proud when I say that we had over 21,000 undergraduate students apply to enroll at Florida A&M University. Over 26,000 when you combine all of the colleges and schools at Florida A&M University. And 1,500 had the opportunity to enroll as undergraduate students. That is a highly selective and competitive um, uh, competitive admissions process. The average GPA of our incoming freshman class is a 394 Wow. These are the same academic standards that our student athletes um, have to meet in many cases. Of course, we have a couple of opportunities to get people in through special talent. But when we say special talent, we're still talking about 3.3, 3.4 student athletes. And that's a very limited group of students. So uh, academically, our students are sound and we want want to keep it that way. You know, th- thank you for that. I mean, it, people come in all the time and sort of say, yeah, you know, academics are important. Important graduation rates are important. Um, the accountability of it all is important. But it is such a you coming in and it being one of the first things that you're saying is really important. And I always say to people, it is student first, right? 
athlete second when we say student athlete. So there is a, that responsibility of making sure that that is that their experience is consistent with that. Though I know it's hard, right? Talk to me about your philosophy as it relates to your working with coaches and the coaches sort of being in alignment with all the things you just said. Well, you know, when people ask me what I do, a lot of times they'll see me out in my Florida A&M gear and they say, you a coach? And I say, no. They say, well, what do you do? I say, well, I coach the coaches, right? So it's, I feel like it's my responsibility to, one, um, communicate to the coaches what's important now and what's important at Florida A&M University because I don't want them to recruit a student athlete and it's misrepresented of what they're going to get at Florida A&M University and what to expect at Florida A&M University. Mm, okay. But I also try to make myself available to coaches. So one of the exercises we did this year was I got my entire executive staff, so me, my assistant VP, Michael Smith, our deputy AD, Marcus Grant, et cetera, et cetera, and we sat in a room and we gave each coach and every leader of a support group. So the head coach of football, the head coach of basketball, but then the director of sports medicine, the director of strength and conditioning, an hour to present to us and tell us what it is that they need to be successful for their program. So then I take what they find is important to their program, make sure it aligns with what I think are the needs to take our program to the next level, and we work on our messaging. So when Coach Simmons and I went out on the strike tour, we were singing from the same sheet of music about what's important to take our program to the next level. So those are things that. we do with our coaches. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, listeners, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to the new AD uh, at Florida a and she, You probably say, it ain't so new. It's been January. <laughs> <laughs> but but y'all know what I mean. I mean, she's she's been... We've, we know she's been here. Uh, we've been hearing about her. If you meet her, you then talk about her. All good things. Uh, but Tiffany Don Sykes on the show this week. If you know a Rattler out there, text them, call them, tell them you listen to a great show about the future of FAMU because we got Tiffany in the studio. I want to shift gears just a little bit to the midst of just sort of the evolving collegiate sports, period. When we look at the changing expectations of student-athletes, within, you know, unique context of HBCUs in particular. How, how do you intend to ensure that Rattlers remain competitive while staying true to, you know, university traditions and principles? Wow, that's a, a great question. And I think, one, staying true to university traditions and principles is one of the things that's very important to me. Because when I, I remember in a staff meeting talking to my coaches about um, – why I wanted to be at FAMU and why FAMU was the place I've been talking about for over 15 years. That was wow, my dream really? job to be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. I record over 15 okay. years ago saying I wanted to be the AD at FAMU. Wow. Okay. Y'all, and she's just 25 years old. She got her dream job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, repeat the question because you, you distracted me. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just wonder, and I think, you know, you've said a lot of it really, I think, but but just in the midst of just all these evolving NCAA regulations, you know, the shifting sports landscape, I mean, we're dealing with a lot with that, right? Yeah. Uh, expansion, uh, NIL, we're dealing with um, 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 the, the transfer portal, HBCUs, the cha you know, just sort of the focus and the look on HBCUs is different. There's an attention factor there that that I think wasn't there um, five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I just wonder, if does any of that, how do you stay focused on the traditions 
of the HBCU yep. and and that and competitive and stay just staying true to all all the things that we know and enjoy. You know, when I, I remember very vividly telling my coaches that I remember my first visit to FAMU, but without telling the entire story, just saying that I remember coming to FAMU and being on Perry Street for the first time. I wow, remember wow. eating a pineapple flavored candy apple. I remember hearing the Rattler charge for the first time. Like I can still smell it. I can <laughs> feel it. I can still see it, you know, so that's what really sealed the deal for me on, yeah, FAMU is exactly what I thought it was, and it's exactly where I want to be when I become an athletic director. But the other thing is, when we hire coaches of any race, and they recruit student athletes of any race, redirecting them to what the mission of Florida A&M University is, which highlights the education of African Americans. OK, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of people or some people who say, well, you're an HBCU, but you have coaches who are non-black, but you have students who are non-black. And while that may be true, I make sure that at the forefront of their recruiting, at the forefront of their communication, that they understand what the mission of Florida A&M University is. And I expect them to do their job in alignment of that. We've got a big game in Miami soon uh, um, with Jackson State University's Orange Blossom Classic that I think we've heard that this is the last year of doing that, right? Talk to us a little bit about where we're headed there. I mean, can the fans expect that it'll come back or there'll be something to replace it, the excitement? Uh, just for the, all of them that have had questions out there about the Jackson State uh, thing that they've come to enjoy over the last few years, uh, that they better get it in. Yeah. <laughs> they better get it in in a couple weeks because uh, the, the way we see it now, we won't see it again, right? Well, I, I won't say that we won't see it again. We won't see it next year. You okay. know, um, okay. the Orange Blossom Classic will still be around. There will be two other HBCUs who will be competing in the Orange Blossom Classic. Um, you know, when I stepped into this role, you know, when I think about, I started here in January fresh off the end of a 9-3 and three football season where our team at the end of the regular season was ranked in the top 25 in the nation but missed the playoffs due to strength of scheduling. So one mm. of my priorities is to make sure, well, one, we're in a conference that the Celebration Bowl is the priority. So if obviously we want to win a Celebration Bowl, but if we find ourselves short of Celebration Bowl qualification, we're in a position to make the postseason and host postseason. And it's hard for us to do that when we don't have a quality strength of schedule. So I'd really like to, um, so, so Jackson State actually brings home a bigger purse for their home games. So th they want to play Florida A&M at home and freeing up that weekend from a conference opponent will really allow us to make sure that we have quality opponents during that non-conference scheduling period. You know, I want to commit to having only Division I opponents on our schedule. Um, and the other thing is, you know, I'm really grateful for um, the community and the city of Tallahassee and the blueprint making that investment of 10, to the tune of $10 million in our stadium. But we also know that we need almost another $10 million just to do the bathrooms and concession stands down there. It's about $8 wow. million just to do the bathrooms, another $2 million to do the concession stands. And if I want to make that appeal to government officials, I have to say, hey, I'm committed to driving economic impact to the city of Tallahassee and in Leon County. Sure. And I can't do that by only playing four games a year. Um, the other Division One institution in Tallahassee consistently plays six or seven games a year. So I'd like to get our numbers up to at least five a year to show our commitment. And hopefully they will re continue to reinvest in um, our athletics program. So, that's a, so, so, folks, it was a business decision. Uh, and... Uh, we, we get so emotional, but somebody got to make the, the business decisions, right? So, uh, okay, thank you. Thank you for that explanation. I'm 
going to go down and enjoy at least Friday. <laughs> <laughs> at least Friday. Uh, but thank you for that. I, I do want to, before we finish, a couple things. I, I don't want to not talk about recruitment and partnerships, right? Because from your seat, I got to think providing an environment and the type of program that student athletes are attracted to, that coaches are attracted to, uh, is important. And then I got to think building the kind of partnerships that actually help with that are important. So recruitment is a vital aspect to sustaining excellence in college sports. Tell, tell us your strategies or what strategies you have in mind to attract top tier student athletes who align with the values of FAMU. Well, I, I think recruitment is all hands on deck when it comes to student athletes and when it comes to staff. So I'll get back to student athletes, but we just hired a new women's bowling coach, Capri Howard. She's at Valparaiso, one of the most um, storied bowling programs in the country. She's a graduate of Jackson State University, and she had her car delivered this weekend. So she called me and said, <laughs> A.D. Sykes, can you meet the person dropping off my car? What kind of car was it? It's a very nice car. It's a very nice car. The tank was full of gas. Okay. So I took it around the block a couple times and parked it. So, um, you know, she called to say, hey, me and my family are here. I'm here to pick up the car. And you know what I did? I had everyone on my staff get up out of the office and greet her in the parking lot. Wow. Right. Wow. So my assistant VP, my deputy, my executive assistant, because one, I want to see my staff see me do that when we're welcoming head coaches. And that is the same attitude and behavior I want them to do when we bring student athletes to campus. So whenever we have student athletes, I try to ask the coach, they say, hey, you know, I have this track and field athlete coming in. Do you have a minute? I say, yeah. Tell me where they're from, what high school, what's their event, if you can give me their parents' name. So when they walk into the room, I'm saying, hi, Maria, nice to meet you. Hi, John, nice to meet you. You know, I heard you're one around 100. So letting, making them feel that I am already invested in who they are and already knowledgeable and I want them there is kind of what I want everyone to experience when they're coming to Florida A&M University. And, you know, and that's uh, that might be different. And, but I think it would be welcome, right? And uh, everybody wants to feel special. And, and you know, FAMU is a special place. And I think those who are a part of it feel it. But those who are coming into it, sometimes it's hard. It take it take them a while to get to feel the special part. Y'all put them through it. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> y'all yeah. put people through it. I mean, listen, I've been here a long time, been a great uh, contributor, and I still get looks sometimes. I'd be like, come on, y'all. I'm, 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 I'm here with y'all. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, um, the people at FAMU are very prideful, and they're very protective. And, and right? very proud. So you have yeah. to really just earn their trust. That's so right. I'm trying That's to right. be as, in as many spaces as I can be, meet as many people as I can be, and win over as many people as I can be, and, you know, just really make good decisions in the best interest of our student-athlete. Absolutely. You know, what, yep. like we talked about in the Orange Blossom Classic, it may not have been uh, what people feel is the best decision for them. Because, I mean, Tiffany Sykes loves Miami as much as the next person loves Miami. But when it comes to making the... When I get back to, was that the right decision for the student-athletes? I sleep good at night knowing that it was. Yeah. Well, we're on the highest of seven hills. And there's it's, it, the history. There's such a great and rich history. The future is just waiting on FAMU. And, and Tiffany Sykes, I think... You know, your opportunity to, to help get it there um, is great. And I think you can rely on this community uh, and especially the fans and especially the supporters that are out there um, to, to grab hands with you and help you do that. Um, before we go, though, talk to us. Uh, we, we were all excited about the Nike part partnership, the LeBron James partnership. Can you talk to us about 
your vision for securing additional partnerships uh, and financial support? Yeah, so um, really, I try to take advantage of the Strike Tour events. That's what I've done very early in my career. So uh, Carmen Cummings, who's our Assistant uh, Vice President of Alumni Affairs and Community Engagement, has been really good at reaching out to alumni in the cities that are hosting us for a strike tour and identifying any um, corporations that they work for, have partnerships with, and putting me in the same room as them. So I recognize that I'm new to FAMU, so I'm really relying on people like you and other people who have this great affinity for Florida A&M University to make some introductions for me, right? Right, right. The more they can make those connections and they say, I know this company, I know Tiffany, I think you all should meet. I'll get in any room with anybody and ask for anything, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and I got to give uh, kudos to Trustee Klett, who um, is on the board of trustees. And I, I called and made an appeal to him for some championship rings. And I said, hey, if you can give me this. He said, well, how much is the whole thing? And so he said, well, you should have asked for the most when you started. So now when people <laughs> ask me, how much do you need? I need $10 million to do the underbelly of the stadium. Okay, well, less than that. I need $8 million to do the bathrooms. Okay, less than that. I need $2 million to do, do the concessions. Okay, less than that. Okay, I need $150,000 to resurface my tennis course. Okay, go. well, less than yep. You know, so I just start at the top and dial my way down. You know, based on what someone has the appetite to do and what aligns with the needs of our student athletes. Wow. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, we, we've been wanting to figure out how to get you on this show for a while. Uh, Florida a is important to our listeners, uh, important to us. And so every step it takes, we like to take real interest in it. And so with that being said, we'd love to have you back. Um, let's you know let, let us let you get through at least an annual <laughs> get to the annual uh, which is soon uh, but we'd love to have you back and, and love to be a resource for you as well um, when it comes to you know getting messages out to to loyal fans so thank you can't thank you enough but thank, thank you so you. much for having me this is my first time on this uh, part of town so I'm excited oh, to wow. see, you know this area yeah. um, but of course I can't log off with making an appeal to have listeners donate to the Rattler Athletic Fund. So you can Google the Rattler Athletic Fund. It allows you to choose. Maybe you want to donate to women's basketball. Maybe you want to donate women's basketball. We just got a new head women's basketball coach. Yes, Bridget Gordon, yes. Olympic gold medalist. She's going to need everyone's support to be successful. Um, but there are a number of different affinities that you can donate to. But if you Google Rattler Athletic Fund, um, I'd love to get a donation of any amount. All right. Y'all heard it here. Tiffany Sykes. And she's the new, she's in the big chair, y'all. But y'all support her. Stay with us for a short Pittman Point right after this. It's time for Pittman's Point on 96.1 Jams. Welcome back to the show. And now it's time for the Pittman Point. Y'all, last week we were uh, talking about Israel. And um, I left an important part out about Israel uh, and particularly Jerusalem. You know, last week I talked to you and I told you about all the political and the sort of civil wars and the difficulty in living next to your enemy. But what I didn't talk about was the very spiritual piece of Jerusalem and that whole region. Uh, you know, I got a chance to walk where likely Jesus walked. I got a chance to walk where Jesus was arrested and crucified. And I got to see Mount Nebo where Moses was born. And I got to float in the Dead Sea in Jericho. And I got to see the rock that St. Peter used to build his church. And so all that hits you in a place where you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm in an area that I've read about and heard about in the Bible as I learn about the creation of this world. And so I didn't 
mention that to you. I wanted to mention it today because I wanted to tell you that when I was walking in these areas, particularly when I was walking where Jesus gave his sermon about the Beatitudes, the eight Beatitudes. And I remember thinking as I read the Beatitudes and I was standing where Jesus recited them, I remember thinking that this country right now needs Jesus just really bad. And when we think about the the political discourse and we think about the fact that now where we are, people don't just want good people uh, in office. People want their side to win and they're willing to accept anything for that to happen. I mean, look at Donald Trump, who's been indicted four times and yet his polling continues to rise. Look at the situation where the state of Florida and the leadership from the governor here that has really put people at odds, whether it's removing state attorneys or removing books or, you know, passing laws that make it harder to vote. I mean, it is a difficult time of people, you know, just standing in their corner. So as I was walking through Jerusalem, I was thinking, Jesus, (laughs) rise again and come to America and help us. Help us get back to uh, idolizing uh, extraordinary people who want to do good things. And they just do good things because they're the right thing. Help us get back to that. But listeners, my message to you today is it's not just Jesus who is needed. You are needed. You are needed. So to put my point today is a call to action. So we urge the community to stay engaged in political discourse and advocate for transparency and equal justice. We must recognize that there are things we're going through right now in this country that present an opportunity for us to demand accountability from our leaders and institutions. And we need to continue striving for a future where our legal system is fair and equitable to everyone, regardless of their skin tone, uh, their religious beliefs, their sexual preference, uh, or their background. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.